video vampires with Jessica and Mickey. Hey, so so we've been watching a lot of crap. It's been a little while, I know, because like the holidays happened and travel actually happened before the world started imploding again. And then also, you know, life happened. So it's been a little while since we had an episode up. But um, so I watched a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched a whole I, lot of shit. I had COVID, so I watched a lot. I just all I did was just stay at home and watch a lot of shit. So I did anyway, but I didn't have COVID. I just like <laughs> live in the burbs, so it's like really weird. Every day is a nightmare. <laughs> mm. Just kidding. Um, so like I have a bunch of plane movies, and these are movies that like I just didn't see regularly. And then since I had like longer flights, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna watch this movie finally. So one of them was 1917. Uh-huh. And now I never I watching it. I'm like, fuck, I should have seen this in the theater. Like, this is a movie that you see in a theater. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like it's all one shot, but it's actually not. But the way it's edited is like beautifully fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked it. I, I was surprised. I don't know why that I was so hesitant to see it. I think because like what did Dunkirk come out the year before or something? I was just I like, like I don't need to see another war movie right now, like a period war movie. I, I don't know what my problem was, but it is like quite glorious mm-hmm. um, and and beautiful and touching and and in its own, you know, monstrous way for a war movie. Um, and then I got like really into Westerns. So I saw that movie Hostels finally. And I, I always knew about this movie. Max Richter did the score for it. And he's one of my favorite composers, but it's um, Christian Bale and... Uh, what's her name gone girl i can't remember rose something right rose burn no no uh i don't know if she's ever been in anything serious rose burn but uh i watched that and it's it's (laughs) it's like hard all the way through like from start to finish you're like oh this movie's fucking brutal like it was way more brutal than i imagined it to be like there's so much pain from start to finish until like the very end where there's like some semblance of like small hope for these people but it's you know it obviously takes place in the west um like what early 1800s ish um when america you know was just eradicating anyone that didn't look white european um and so it's it's interesting because i was like well i'm just gonna stay on my westerns kick and then i watched the big sky which is this old um what's his name kirk um kirk douglas movie uh western shot in the 50s now Mm -hmm. i really like the distinction between 50s and 60s 70s westerns like there's a there's a lot and some of it's like backdrop and but the lighting is like a big thing like in the 50s they just like have this certain certain lighting that makes everything look better i don't know how to describe it but like villains look cooler the nighttime looks better like Mm. i i don't know uh i just think it it has this like really cool look but also kirk douglas like it wasn't um it wasn't like a like a serious western like kirk douglas plays his character like he wants to fuck everybody like and that's the only way i know how to explain it is that like plays a western gigolo yeah he really does it's kind of funny and um it it was really good and it was one of those movies on criterion that was leaving january 1st so i was like fuck i gotta watch this Mm -hmm. um and something else that was also leaving was the innocence which i had um actually never seen before and so yeah i knew obviously what it was about because it's been adapted in different formats you know because it was a it was a novel and so it's through time it's been adapted i think most recently mike flanagan attempted it with his like um 
House of Bly Manor or whatever the fuck it's yeah, called. Yeah, the turn you know? the screw, yeah. But he just, like, <laughs> he just does it so annoyingly and it's so long and it's like he tries to drill in this point where it's like you could have done that in an hour and 30 minutes bro like i I don't know but the innocence is a is a classic um 1950s movie and uh it's it's really great i don't i don't know i think i also got in like this 50s kick for a little while of like the lighting and the acting and everyone has this like certain accent and like inflection of when they're speaking it's just um it kind of makes a lot of those movies look the same, but in a in a totally different aspect because the actors were really like bringing their characters to light. Um, and then I also watched um, some other really great plane movies, like The Card Counter, which is actually new. It's a uh, Paul Schrader, Oscar Isaac, and he right? did yeah, and Oscar Isaac, and he did um, what's the last thing he did that I really like? First Reformed. Mm-hmm. He wrote Taxi Driver. He's worked with Scorsese like throughout his um, his career. Yeah. Uh, this surprised me. I, I don't know whether it was the poster or just the trailers for it, but I, I really didn't want to see it. But again, it's a plane movie, so I was on this plane watching this movie, and it was actually like pretty gruesome in parts. But you know, Oscar Isaac plays this like. Uh, kind of this like war veteran who got blamed for you know torture in one of the military prisons um and then spent like 14 years in jail but when he came out he's a gambler you know and so it seems like a redemption story but like if you know anything about paul schrader's characters you know that like all his characters are just doomed um essentially <laughs> uh so i don't know i really liked it i mean tiffany had haddish haddock is it haddock or haddish haddish She's in it, and, like, I like her, but she I don't think she knows how to, like, act in any sort of way. Like, everything I feel like she's done has been very base level. Mm-hmm. But, like, also compared to Oscar uh, Isaac, it's just hard because I think he's, like, a really great actor. Mm. Um, I, I really liked it, surprisingly. And then in the movie, I actually, in the movies, in the, in the real life, in real life, I went to the movies and saw Nightmare Alley, mm. which was Del Toro's new movie. Yeah, I, um, I saw that as well. We talked about it last episode. You, oh, you had, yeah, I, you hadn't had you seen the original at all? No, I still haven't seen it. I've been told, you know, obviously for comparisons, and I should because it was it was fifties, right? Or was it uh, late forties, early fifties? Yeah, it okay. was it was it was good. Tyrone Power, yeah. So I, I I saw that in the theater, but now that you say that, it was probably like a month ago mm-hmm. that I went to the theater because you know work gets busy and I haven't been out. But what did you you said you actually oh, yeah. saw some new movies, which I'm yeah surprised. I, I did I did yeah. So like I mean in between before and after COVID, um I went to the movies. I saw um and <laughs> this this could be where I got it. Uh, I went to go see Macbeth with on Christmas oh, night yeah, with my family. The Cohen Macbeth, right? Yeah, the Joel Cohen Macbeth and like um. I'm a big fan of Macbeth, like the play, and I also feel like that's a great gateway uh, to Shakespeare. Like if you're if, when you know when you're talking to kids or talking to somebody, and they're like, "Oh, Shakespeare," and you're like, "Well, have you read or heard? Have you ever read or watched Macbeth?" Because it's like everybody fucking gets, everybody fucking dies, people go crazy, all hell breaks loose. You know, it's like, and there's like witches in it, and it's fucking weird, and like it's it's definitely the 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 one that I've introduced people to Shakespeare with. That being said, bear in mind it was Christmas, so um, yeah, you know it was Christmas. I'm a little tired, you know. It's eight, we're, we're, you know go to the movies, my, me and my mom, my brother and my wife, and like go to see uh, Macbeth. And I'm familiar with the play, so for the first 10-15 minutes of it, I kind of nodded off, like which is not a good sign. 
Um, that being said, I, don't, I, I attribute that to being really tired, you know, on that day. But also, um, you know, as a, as a, as a, as the story went on and everything like that, as the play went on, it, like I, I did dig it. And like I really dug, the, especially towards the end when like Macbeth has gone completely batshit crazy and he's just like, he's a fucking lunatic. Um, Denzel was fucking amazing. Um, but I saw Macbeth. I liked it. Um, yeah. This I did not see in the theater. Um, I saw The Harder They Fall. Um, which was the Western that's on Netflix with Idris Elba, uh, Regina King. Oh, yeah. Like okay. You, yeah. I was like, why does that sound so familiar? Jonathan Majors. I, I totally forgot about that. But And I would say that's probably one of my favorite movies of 2021, like hands down. Um, it was it was just it was fucking it was a blast. Like I had such a great time watching it um, and I wasn't expecting much. I don't know why. You know, I just I think a lot of times when I hear like, oh, movies, you know, most of those movies that like come out for like a minute in the theater and then like you know like a few days later on netflix i'm like ugh, like i don't know how i feel about i still don't know how i feel about stuff like that like yeah really getting, you know that being said i loved it and i am a little pissed off because it was playing around the corner for me when it when it first came out i was like God, i would have loved to have seen this in the theater it would have been such a fun movie but um that was definitely in my my top three of 2021 um, and then I, uh, right after I tested negative, after being sick, I, uh, I went and saw, <laughs> I saw Scream, which, um, what I, is your, I, I've, I haven't okay. seen it yet. I've okay. had a lot of mixed, I've All heard right. a lot of mixed things. Sure. And I, and I can, here's the thing is one, I totally get why people would have mixed reactions. Now I'm going to preface this by saying I made my reaction to this film may have been because I hated Ghostbusters Afterlife so much, but I actually really enjoyed Scream a lot. Okay. Um, because in the movie, and um, it's not really a, it's not a spoiler, you know, like how in every screen movie, there's that character who's like, oh, there are certain rules that, you know, to, to survive a blank, whether it's a horror film, a sequel or whatever. And in this one, they call, they are like, there's certain rules to survive a requel. And they go through the whole, like setup of what a requel is where it's like it's a reboot sort of but it's also a sequel and like we introduced these we had these legacy characters come in and all of a sudden they go through the whole rules and it's kind of like you you want to like roll your eyes but you're at the same time you're like it is a thing that is it happens now yeah like, these terms that they're these these meta references they're making they do exist you know so i can't i can't be like oh it's just you know it's a sign of the times and i'm not a big fan of the times but uh, I, that being said, I really, I really dug Scream. It was great to see like David Arquette, Courtney Cox, and F. Campbell come back. Um, and and again, that's not spoiling anything. If you haven't watched the trailer, then whatever. Um, I I really enjoyed it. I might have been because my expectations were rock well, bottom. I would hope and, so. Yeah. And I mean, the only reason why I saw it is because Scream is the one franchise that I've seen every single film in the theater on opening weekend. Like going back to the first one, I begged my aunt to take me to the movies because I couldn't get in without her. And she took me to see Scream. And then, you know, I saw Scream 2 and then Scream 3. And I saw Scream 4. I hated 4 and 3. Um, I I don't remember. I remember 2 for sure. I love 2. I feel like I know I've seen them all like many times. But I know like Timothy Timothy Oliphant, he's, he's in 2, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That was that was the first time I ever saw him. I think I, I might have erased three and four out of my brain. You should have, because three was fucking terrible. Three is, three, I mean, three is atrocious, and then four isn't. It is you know like when I saw four, I walked out. I was like, oh, it's better than three, but that means nothing. Yeah. Like <laughs> this one's actually like I was entertained by it. Like, um, you know, I I I don't know what else to say. I don't want it without giving anything away. I I really I enjoyed it. Um, there were some parts that I rolled my eyes at and there were some parts that I kind of was like, ugh, you know, but 
all in all, I, you know, I walked out of it being like, well, I, it goes for, now it goes for me one, two, and, and this new one, five, you know, um, I'd love to, I, I mean, Timothy Oliphant was, that was the first time I ever saw him in anything. And I was like, this guy is the coolest guy I've ever. Oh my God. Was, Wait, did he, did go come out first or did. No, it, no, Scream 2 would come out. Scream, okay. And he played and, he, and I remember cause he played um, in Scream 2, he played Mickey, the, uh, yeah, you know, so when he was in Go, I was like, "That's the guy from Scream 2. and I loved. I, I thought he was super cool in Go, um, and then I just, you know, I mean, Timothy Oliphant's just a fucking cool dude, you know. So um, yeah, even when he's playing like a nerdy film guy in the second one, he still makes. I'm like, man, how how come I can't? Why come people can't look at me like they look at Timothy Oliphant in Scream Two? <laughs> um, but I saw that, and then I, I watched. Um, I was saying this before we recorded. I I, I finally. Jesus, I've owned it on for a while now. I finally watched Possessor, which was, you know, obviously it was it was amazing. I mean, Possessor yeah. was just fucking fantastic. It was like, you know, um, I'm really a big fan of like what the Canadians are doing these days. You know, with Pinos Cosmatos doing Mandy and Beyond the Black Rainbow, and you know, Brandon Cronenberg doing Possessor. Did you Possessor. see the uh, unrated version, or was it yeah, rated? I I own the unrated version, and I was like, holy! I mean, like there was a lot of holy shit moments because, like, God, that was just so that was fucking intense, you know, like. Um, but it, I mean, it was fantastic. Um, and then as far as like older movies that I've watched or caught up on, um, I did re I, after I saw the theatrical uh, the remake of Nightmare Alley, I went and watched the original and, um. And, and you know, it, there's it's weird because there's def. I mean, I definitely think it was better than the remake, you know. And that's, but I like the remake. Um, there are parts in the remake though where they kind of ex- elaborate on certain things, which I actually liked that they did in the remake. I was like, oh, I really like that they they kind of take a little bit more time into doing that, you know. Um, but I also think Tyrone Power is like just more engaging and likable than bradley cooper but that's just me um it's hard because and it's too i don't know if, when if we talked about this but like it was like remember when bad bradley cooper was just like a funny guy who was like in comedies and stuff and then like he really tried to take this departure which is fine you know like i i like him and a lot of stuff that he's done but also he's kind of like a he just still seems like a prick for some reason and mm. i think it has to do with his movie um a star is born because of his comments about not being nominated, which is like, fuck you, dude. Do you know how many better movies there are than your fucking movie that right. aren't even considered at all because they're not like some fucking rich white guy. Right. Uh, but you know, <laughs> um, and speaking of, I mean, I have another movie, a new, new movie that I forgot that I watched. Uh, speaking of rich white guys um, was don't look up. Um, oh yeah, which, I saw that too. Uh, there's a lot. Of, there was a lot of discussion around this. Did you like I, it? I didn't. And and here's the thing is that like I don't know. And I, I said this to my wife afterwards. It's like I don't know if I liked it. If I didn't like it because I didn't think it was. I don't think that shit's funny anymore. Like it's just it's it's too real for you know. It's like yeah. oh man. Like or or I don't know if I liked. It, I didn't like it because it wasn't funny enough. Like and I think I'm landing more of it wasn't funny enough. Or it's like it could have been like I I was like it. A lot of like the the funny parts in it, I was like, man, that's just too easy, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's and I, I get why it was done, and, and and there are parts that you're just like, oh, that's so fucking real, you know? Like the frustration you feel that people aren't fucking like paying attention to like major crises or arguing about whether they exist or not. I just didn't like it. Um, that being said, there was a there's a cameo from a. I mean, I'm not, I mean, it's not even like, it's not, is like a su- surprise or a twist, but Chris Evans has got a cameo and his Wait, cameo. Who's, who's Chris Evans in it? 
You remember when they're taught when they're like towards the you know towards, towards the end when the when the when they the comet is definitely in the, the sky and then that's where the whole "Don't Look Up" slogan comes up. Yeah. Or they look up and don't look up and they're going back and forth. And uh, Chris Evans plays an actor who's being interviewed and he's like, "Yeah, my button's got an up and a down arrow because I think that we gotta like meet somewhere in the middle." And I thought that was funny. I was like, that was so like true to life that like i laughed my ass off. Like, I was like that like just the the and he's got a button that has like a uh, an up and down arrow you know like in the, you know whatever and i just it cracked me up because i was like yeah i fucking can't stand people who are like i just think somewhere we should meet in the middle because you know it's it's like don't fucking you know like there's clearly a yeah. problem going on fucking just get on board with it so i loved his care at his, his his it was just like a, he's like being interviewed and they're doing a montage of all like the charity concerts and all that stuff and all the different reactions that people are having that part I liked. Um, um, but then, anyway, so as I back to old movies, I watched uh, Phantom of the Mall, which was an 80s horror film, which is Phantom of the Opera, if you decided to have it take place in a mall. I loved it. Um, it's got... <laughs> I just... Okay, wait. So Phantom of the Mall, yeah. clearly made in the 80s. Yeah, oh yeah. And the lead actor is... Uh, with Derek Rydell, he was uh he was in Popcorn. He played the love interest of the really kind of annoying, dopey, goofy love interest in Popcorn. Uh-huh. Um, and then I watched uh, Day of Wrath, which was this um western with Lee Van Cleef, um, where he plays this uh you know aging gunslinger who's like kind of a piece of shit, who like finds like he comes to this town and meets this guy like this young guy who kind of like is he's like the bastard of like the town like nobody takes him seriously and they all just kind of make him like. Uh, do shit work and everything like that and he kind of takes him under his wing and then eventually they're going to have like a moment where they're going to like you know you know the the student's going to have to face the teacher and it's a really i really enjoyed it a lot it was a fucking great western um and then i watched the friends of eddie coyle which was a um robert mitchum film yeah yeah that's funny because there's this blog i follow on instagram and it's just like dirty old boston and mm-hmm. so they um, have a, a picture of Robert Mitchum in the, like, what is it, the East Hill Gang or whatever, mm-hmm. um, together, like, behind the scenes. I thought that was really cool, but that's funny that you just mentioned it because they posted it a few days ago, and I, I had it saved. Well, I had been wanting to watch it for about five years now, and then I kept putting it off, and then a, a buddy of ours, of mine who was on our podcast, Diego, he um, him and I saw, had watched the Yakuza at the New Beverly years ago and he was like oh you should watch that you should watch friends of eddie coyle i was like yeah it's been on my list i haven't you know well i had fucking time to do it so i watched it and um it's great i mean it's fantastic and, and you know especially um i mean i had a whole bunch of notes about that one because i was like texting with him back and forth i'm like god peter boyle aside from young frankenstein it was just great at playing dickheads you know mm-hmm. um robert mitchum was fantastic um yeah as always. as always yeah i mean hands down um and then i watched um i rewatched and i just posted about it today i rewatched my boyfriend's back okay um, i uh, it's funny because i was gonna <laughs> put it up in our stories because that is also one of my favorite movies and i i was like sometimes we agree in the realm of things and sometimes we really disagree but i agree my boyfriend's back is a totally underrated gem i don't know why pe- more people haven't talked about it or seen it or loved it but well, i would watch this all the fucking time at some point it was on like you know, one of those movie channels on cable for a while, like on, on regular, like TBS or like something like that. But it, just baffles, it. it baffles me that like certain movies, like people like gravitate and they're like, oh, this is like a, you know, a movie that's not that great or a movie that didn't do really well when it came out be, and like ends up becoming this like huge cult classic. And there's, there's, there's movies that definitely deserve that. And then there's movies where I'm like, wait, that movie, you know, like, I mean, uh, I'll give you an example. Remember Crossroads with Britney Spears? 
Yeah. There's a huge cult following for that fucking movie, and I'm like, really? Because that movie was like really just it was fucking bad. I mean, I and I'm not like I'm not here. To sh- I'm not shitting on Britney Spears. I'm just shitting on the fucking movie. My boyfriend's back though is a legit like fun, quirky like oddball movie, and like the, I guess I mean I mentioned this in the post, like the cast that's involved. Um, the director was Bob Balaban, who did the first episode. We you know he did uh, he did Parents, which we, we our first episode. Um. You know, I mean, like, and it's like, it makes me think of like, if parents had been successful, if my boyfriend's back had been successful, like, would Bob Balaban had not acted as much? In mm-hmm. his, and would he have gone on to make his I mean, like, he had done a Tales from the Dark Side episode, you know, prior to that. And he's done a lot of television afterwards, like, but like, he could have been like a horror kind of like, go-to guy. And like, and for, unfortunately, none of these movies did any business or anything like that. But my boyfriend's back is fantastic. And, and, you know, weird kind of like I, I i didn't even think about it but like the next day i watched um i rewatched the original buffy the vampire slayer um the movie because, yeah the movie right of course and the guy the lead from uh the lead from my boyfriend's back is one of the boyfriend like buffy's boyfriend's friends in it and i was like oh that's the guy from my boyfriend's back that's that's right he's like you know but he's the lead and then tracy lynn who's in um my boyfriend's back. She was in Fright Night Two, Class Nineteen Ninety Nine. It's, it's a great movie. And then, um, last but certainly not least, I watched a Japanese film called Black Lizard, which was just I posted about that too. And Black Lizard was just oh yeah. I've been wanting to watch this movie for so long. I got it on video, um, and I finally just had the time to like sit down and watch it. And it was just oh, it was fucking. It was awesome. It was so good. Um, it's uh, you know, she Black Lizard is this international, or she's like this jewel thief. And she's played by a, like a famous drag queen in Japan, um, but and, and playing it straight, you know, like in the sense of like it's not like you're not watching going, oh, that's a man playing a woman, you know, like yeah, she's, he's playing, you know, he's playing a woman, you know, and uh, and um, you know, she's she has, you know, she she steals this diamond or this jewel and she kidnaps this girl and she's gonna make her like a doll. She's like this island fortress and she has like these people that are like stuffed and perfectly preserved and they're basically like it poses and they're like mannequins but they're live and they're like are they're they're real and they're dead and she calls them her dolls and I was like what the fuck is going on? And there's this <laughs> great jazz soundtrack and like um it's just fucking it rocked. It was just so good. I, I got I was so into it. Um and uh, I mentioned this in the post. It was it was based on a play by Mishima. Uh, I, did I say that right? Mishima. Mishima. Yeah. I know. He, sorry uh, if we mispronounced. Yeah. I, 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 but he was like kind of like a, a in Japan. He was kind of like a right wing writer who like um, tried to overthrow the government. And when he failed, he committed ritual suicide. But he like he committed. So he disemboweled himself. And then like he was supposed somebody was supposed to like cut his head off to like end his suffering, but they couldn't get it fucking right the first two attempts of chopping his head off and uh but like he was like this weird figure who like bowie ended up like enamored with and like made a painting of him and like um paul schrader directed a movie about him so it's like kind of coming around full circle and everything and and you mentioned paul schrader and i i I don't know if you've seen this but if you haven't you should totally watch it uh one of my favorite schrader films is actually his remake of cat people and i was thinking about that a few days ago yeah, that's right. I remember they showed it. I think they showed it at the Arclight ones because, like, I talk about this series all the time. They One year they did a series with, like, um, it was just people presenting their favorite films instead of talking about their own, which I really like. So that's, I went to a bunch yeah. of them. Yeah. And I think Cat People was actually on the list. But 
I mean, it's different uh, than the original, but it's like it's it's a movie that if you don't if you don't know anything about it, you should just watch it because there's going to be a part where Malcolm McDowell kind of basically explains to you the fucking movie, and you're going to be like, "What the holy fuck?" And then it just goes from there, and you it's so fucking rad, and uh, you know, so kind of the Schrader Bowie kind of yeah. coming back to that because um, Bowie you know, did the theme song. You know, what's funny is like I I don't think it's a resurgence because like Shakespeare is like always been around and like redone throughout time and i feel like it will forever but i did watch station 11 oh so you haven't seen it yet i see i wanted because i wasn't in the mood to watch like a pandemic e or like you know post-apocalyptic thing yet and i was like i don't know it's too close because the whole premise is you know this world has like a life-ending flu that gets infected and then you know most of the world dies and it's just about like humanity picking up after um after itself and so i finally watched it i had some time and i like binged it within like two days um i it was like 10 episodes but it's really great and you know it starts with like well i I won't say what it starts with but um but it's a bit harrowing but these people have formed like the traveling sympathy and they do like um shakespeare shakespeare plays and so their whole throughout the series it's like um they're doing hamlet which i think is funny because you know, I think at one point I was like, I'm going to watch all of the Shakespeare adaptions through the 70s and 90s. And like, there's just so many Hamlets. I think it didn't. Um, fuck. What's his name is in one. Um, Mel Hamlet. Gibson. Mel yeah. Gibson. Yes. Yeah. And, and really good. Isn't Glenn Close in that too? Yeah. She's she also in Gertrude. Macbeth. Is, is she in Macbeth or no? No, it's Francis McDormand. Oh, okay, Francis McDormand. But I know there was a Macbeth a few years ago with Michael Fassbender, which I really liked. Like, just I've I've I feel like I've paid attention to all of them, and the Cohen one does look really good. I feel like I have to watch it. But Station Eleven was really fucking good. Um, I I was I think I was surprised by much how 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 much I liked it because it's like not it's it's obviously brutal at times and like really intense and emotional, but it's also like really soft and loving mm-hmm. um which is surprising from something like that so i definitely i i do suggest watching it it's it's a really good sci-fi series and then for sure the expanse ended which i'm really fucking sad about it was the last season only six episodes i feel like they could have done more i could feel like they could have done more but i am really sad because it was such a good like sci-fi space series that had come out you know within the past couple of years that was like actually really fucking cool so mm-hmm. really sad but yeah um, the- go ahead no, I was just gonna say Station Eleven and the and the whole Shakespearean thing coming back around. I I appreciate it. Well, I was gonna say too uh, with Shakespeare. If you're if you really want it, I mean, my homework assignment to everybody if they want to, uh, you know, get check out some Shakespeare stuff. Um, it, from the '70s to now, like we won't even go into like the pre-'70s. Uh, Polanski's Macbeth. I know Polanski's a dirtbag, but his Macbeth, which he did right after the you know his wife was murdered by the Manson family. Yeah. Um, is amazing like that is probably my favorite Macbeth. um hamlet um the mel gibson one's is is good the Braun one is is great because it's like the entire fucking play but the yeah. one that kind of like sticks with me the one that i kind of like have like a weird soft spot for is michael amarita um did a a version of hamlet with um that takes place in you know in 19 well it came out in 2000 2000 and it takes place in 2000 um and it uh it's ethan hawk um and Ethan Hawke is, is Hamlet, um, and he's like, um, and Ke- and uh, Kyle MacLachlan is Claudius, and like, um, it, it's and Bill Murray's in it. Um, uh-huh. It's fucking great. It's weird. 
it um the whole fucking to be or not to be speech is done in a video store which is fucking awesome oh, um man. but it's it's and it's got a great soundtrack you know um it, it's it's definitely worth checking out those are my my uh you know, those, those are my two favorite. I hated Romeo and Juliet, so what? but I've always no. I, but then again, I've always hated that play, so it's like you know whatever. Really, but oh, even yeah. you, even the Leo, Leo, Leo yeah, DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah, I hated it. Um, uh, Titus with Anthony Hopkins. Um, that's fucking brutal. I mean, like Titus has always been one of the Titus Andronicus is one of the most yeah. brutal Shakespeare plays. So check out that one with uh with with Anthony Hopkins. But yeah, I mean, um, but yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Polanski's Macbeth, which is. You know, maybe why I wasn't like as blown away by that because it's just like that one's just so like gets it's just it's grimy, it's gritty, it's grimy. It feels like the play. It's just like the play is a very dark, brutal, you know, um, nasty. I mean, like I said, there's a whole fucking scene where a family gets slaughtered, like women, and, you mm-hmm. know, women and children, and like the Polanski one just feels ominous and and dark, and, and it's great. Um, but speaking of ominous and dark, um. We uh we should we should talk about the movie we did. Yeah, I'm I really liked it. I mean, I'm excited that uh, and it's funny because I was just kind of like looking at we have like a massive list of like movies that we wanted to do, and then I have my own list of like screenshots and like notes I've just like found you know somewhere, and then I was like I have too many choices I can't figure out anything, so I was like going through Criterion just like looking horror movies that I wanted to like watch and and do and like. At one point, I really want to do Night of the Hunter, um, which I've seen, and it's on Criterion. But I found this, and I was like, this sounds really fucking cool. 1960s Japan is, like, they're just, like, some of my the my most favorite series of movies. Like, they're just so colorful and, like, weird and, and like, I, I don't know, inspirational and fucked up. And, like, I really love – it might be, like, my favorite genre, and I'll probably say that about every genre I ever talk about. But um, – and so I found this uh, Jigoku. I don't know um, if that's really how you pronounce it. I'm sorry for <coughs> any Japanese word for hell. Yeah. Um, and 1960, uh, which I feel like watching this now, it's just like so much before its time. Oh, yeah. But I'll say that, like, I think, like, anytime I see something like this, it, like, just sparks my brain. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's influenced this. I mean, obviously, like, the whole idea of hell and religion has influenced movies throughout time but there are like specific scenes that i was like oh god like someone saw this and wrote about it or like someone saw this and remade it and like this movie and this movie and this movie like it's just i thought it was really fucking cool but yeah i mean um you know and and i mean the plot is really just this guy he like um he he's a young guy's a student him and his friend are driving one night they end up killing somebody like hit and run um and like basically his just i mean everything goes to shit from there and like he ends up you know the last i'd say the third act of the film is him in hell with all the people that he's like kind of like come across who all have done terrible things themselves and they're all kind of suffering their own uh torment um but yeah one thing that i i want to i kind of want to throw out there is for for context and everything is that what was this 1960 right it was 1960. Like that's yeah. what blows my mind. It's and so and so cool looking. Yeah, it's 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 brilliant and it's it's amazing looking. And it's like this in 1960 would have. I mean, like if you think about the other movies that have come out in that time period, as far as what they showed, like how violent they were, how gory they were, whatever. I mean, aside Herschel Gordon Lewis aside and everything like that, like 
this movie probably fucked a lot of people up. You know, I would I would have yeah. watched it in that time period. I would have been like, what? I mean, that would have been like being in 1970, what, one or two and watching The Exorcist and being yeah. like, what the fuck? You know, like kind of like, and, and, I mean, like as far as like the depictions of certain, you know, hells and certain things that are happening to people. But um, the first thing I wanted, to, the other thing I want to point out is that the Shinto Ho logo in the very beginning, you know, like that production company. Yeah. Like I, I've I've seen a lot of movies, you know, that that company has put out. Like one of my fa- my favorite Kurosawa film, um, they put out, and it just so every time I see that logo, I get I just I feel, you know, it's like uh when I would see the old New I'm Line Cinema logo, yeah, I get yeah. like ah, uh, uh, you know, like just a, a warm, funny feeling. Um, I love the fucking soundtrack. That fucking yeah. jazz soundtrack is fucking top notch. Um. But yeah, so like, you know, it's uh, this guy, him and his friend Tamora, who I can't really figure out if Tamora's supposed to be like a real person. Yeah, or if he's like the devil or a demon yeah. like influencing. But I like that it's literally, it's just like the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And no matter what he does, mm-hmm. he's just doomed. Um, and then his little devil friend on his back, which, you know, the way he appears in the movie too, is very like, <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. It's like, you know, so like there'll be moments where like, so, you know, they kill this guy and then he's like, okay, he tells his fiance, like, I'm going to go tell the cops. And she's like, okay, well let's walk to the police station. He's like, no, I want to take a cab. And she's like, no, I really think we should walk. He's like, no, I want to take a cab. So he forces them to take a cab and then they get him an accident and she dies. So then he goes to see, you know, his family. Oh, so then he hooks up with this woman who uh, the woman was the she was dating the guy that she that he that they ran over accidentally. Yeah. So she wants to kill him. And then he's like, and so then the main character is like, oh, my mom's sick. I'm going to go check. I'm going to go back to the village or wherever the town where she is. So he goes there and he finds out that his like father's been banging this other lady. Um, <laughs> and, and like. I mean, just everybody's just up to their necks in like fucking just garbage, you know, shit that they're doing. But this Tamora character just keeps showing up. Like, you know, he'll be like, he'll be talking, like the main character will be talking to me and he'll just turn around. And then that Tamora guy's just like kind of sitting on the train tracks being like, hey there, pal. And it's like, are you supposed, is, you know what I mean? Like, so the way you're right, like the way he shows up, I'm like, is he really supposed to be a real person or more of just kind of like this, like, hey, we should do this thing, you know, like we should go do this thing. Let's go take, let's go drive down this, this road, you know, like, um, so, uh, you know, there's, you know, it, it's, it's this, this kind of like this morality tale, um, yeah. something about it. I don't know what it is. Reminded me of another movie we did at midnight. I'll take your soul, the coffin Joe movie, just in the sense that it's this morality tale that kind of gets like the third act is just like, this is the afterlife. This is how fucked up, you know, this is like, this is your punishment for all the terrible things you've done. There's a very weird similarity to that. And I don't mean that in like an influence type way, just like they, they kind of complement each other really well. Those two movies, one's, you know, much, obviously much darker and much more um, yeah. philosophical, whereas this one's more, a little bit more spiritual. Um, but um, I did find them to be like very similar in certain aspects. And I really liked that. It's um, funny because this movie, so, and and I'm not sure if anyone's read it out there, but there's a book, What Dreams May Come, which um, was written by Richard Matheson, who also wrote I Am Legend, Sir Echoes, like, yeah. he is one of the the grandfathers of, you know, 
I am um, legend. Horror yeah. literature. Yeah. And so it's funny because this reminds me a lot of what dreams may come in the way of like, that was like an ideology of like every religion that he must have read about and he put into a book. And so there's a lot of different ideas about what hell is and purgatory and the afterlife. And it's funny because in the movie, it directly references the same, you know, levels of hell or like, you know, mm -hmm. Robin Williams is going through um, trying to find his wife because she committed suicide and like, and I know they talk about this in, in you know, religion, um, especially like Buddhism, which they mentioned at the beginning of this film. Um, but like the faces in the floor and like a, a weird dark shore and then like, you know, just like going through pieces of hell and like people are stuck and like frozen in the in the ground. It's just it's really it's really interesting to see how this film influenced others and also with the lighting the, the very vibrant, you know, greens yeah. and reds, which is funny because I, you know, I think a lot of people dream like that a lot. And so they're supposed to represent different feelings and, and envy and passion and, and you know, darkness. And, and so it's, I, I, I don't know. I loved it. I loved everything about the third act, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, and there's definitely bits about this movie, like, that are, um, that are reminiscent to Dante's Inferno, you know, yeah. where, like, he's got a guide who like kind of is walking him through like hell, you know, and like the different circles of hell and everything like that. And, um, and there's very similar in the third act, he's kind of being guided into these different like levels of, of this Japanese hell, this Buddhist hell where like, you know, um, I mean, uh, this is what I was talking about when I said that, like, you know, at the time when it's coming out, like the, the hell where people are flayed. Yeah. I mean, that was like, what the fuck? I mean, like, the, again, 1960, it's like, you see it's a guy and it's just his head and his, like, skeleton, like, just organs fucking just, you know, whatever. Uh, one guy's hell is to be sawed into pieces and then be put back together and sawed back in. And that yeah. was like, fuck, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is crazy. And then, um, you know, just it, one thing about this movie that I like is that everything just kind of piles on. He he finds his 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 late great fiance in, in hell and she tells him she kind of drops a bombshell on him in hell and i'm like really now we're gonna get this poor this guy who's not like he wasn't a bad guy he was just a fucking spineless like idiot who just couldn't fucking like you know get his life together get his life together or, or fucking you know whatever <laughs> but you know and he did these terrible things he just didn't he didn't own up to it you know um uh, but he's not like a uh as far as like a he's yeah you know what I mean? Like, he's not a bad, you know, he's not a, a terrible person. He's just a, you know, like what you were saying before, the road to hell is paved with good intentions and everything. And like, um, but he's just like this poor guy, man, just everything, like everybody he like comes across in his life has some sort of fucking like terrible secret or terrible thing they've done. And it's basically like the, the, the moral of the story at the end of it is like, oh, everybody's going to hell. Yeah, um, it's like a generational curse, if yeah. you will. Or like also how trauma travels through us, especially like family, which is like kind of because you're like, wow, can we ever be redeemed if like <laughs> if right. this had happened to us previously at some point, you know? Um, I, I don't know. I really liked it. I kind of like those like hapless, like oh, stories yeah. of like, no matter what he does, he's just, you know, the hell awaits him no matter what. And so I like that character because too, like his friend, I was like his friend always being there to like lead him into these like really awful opportunities. And like, like you said, is that friend real or is it an extension of his unconscious? Like, yeah, you know, so I don't know. It's, it was like, I'm really glad we watched it. Cause like, there's so many things that I found that were really cool about it. <laughs>
Well, I, I think the other thing that's interesting, too, about movies um, of this time period, you know, um, in, in Japan specifically, is that it's it's what? How many years? I know it's like a good decade. It's, it's more than a decade. It's like about 20, about 20 years, maybe after. Um, no, longer. Less time after the bomb, you know, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of films in Japan, you know, even this one, I think. The, like the presence or the the memory of that or or the you know the the aftermath of the war is still very prevalent in the storytelling and or in the imagery and in the filmmaking and the characters everything about it like i mentioned kurosawa earlier you know like you know he had done a movie uh, for shintoho um and uh, he did stray dog which is my favorite kurosawa film and that plays very heavily into you know mm-hmm. the post World War Two, and so I feel like there's a little bit element to that too in this. You know, in fact, his professor um, was a um, in the in the character, you know, the character of the professor who was uh, the one who's just talking about Buddhism and, and hell yeah. and all that stuff in the very beginning. You know, his sin was that like during the war he stole the last drop of water from a comrade who ended up dying because. Um, or, you know, a fellow soldier who ended up dying because of, of dying of thirst, you know, and it's like, like interesting little moments where like the, you realize the war really and specifically this atro- like a, atrocious bomb that was dropped, like how much that kind of like was in people's minds when they were making stuff in Japan in, in that time period. It's it's really it's really interesting. It was a very dark time for for Japan. And like and, and I think that, you know, it's unfortunate on one hand on the on the other hand you know some there were some great films and great literature and great stuff that came out because of that that i know time, it's like you know great suffering always gives you great art not all of the time i know like there are people who'd be like no sure. love gives great art too yeah sure it does but you know so does mm-hmm. everything else <laughs> right and so i i i don't you know it's there's there's just it's a really weird vibe that this movie has and i really dig um there was a scene though that like will always I mean, like, again, 1960, you know, it always stands mm-hmm. out in my mind is there's a scene where he's on the bridge and he's the woman that he had slept with, who was like, you know, she had dated the Yakuza guy who he had run over. Like, she goes to kill him and she trips and falls off this bridge and See, the body falling and hitting rocks on the way down was funny and horrifying at the same time. And it's like, God, they just, you know, it's so weird. I. I don't know. I, know. Uh, I like. I was like, oh, this is me. This would be me. I would be like, so that would be me, like so hurt and like needing to like find vengeance and then like tripping and falling before I, I even like could, and then being down. in hell forever yeah. because of it. Yeah. <laughs> like. Um, yeah. It. I mean, like, it's just like again, like on a on a visual level, this movie's like there's like that whole scene. So there's the end of the, there's the third act where they're like on the shores of oh, the you know hell. And there's something, and I don't think that I, I I'm not gonna say that this director saw that movie, saw this movie, and was like, "Oh, I want to do that." But there is a lot of similarities between that image and the image at the end of the Beyond. Yeah, you know, I was thinking film. about the Beyond. I was thinking of you know so many others too, like the Beyond, um, the house that Jack built very recently. You know, um, Lars von Trier, where he talks about you know Jack's descent into hell. Um, there's just like so, uh, the cell. Um, which I still recommend to everybody. I love that movie. I don't care how, how J-Lo and Vince Vaughn it is. Um, there's just so many pieces that I'm like, some they must have seen it or they must have seen a still from it or something. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of it, and you know, through time, people always envision the hell from the stories that were told. But like, God, this movie is just so fucking cool. Yeah. 
and uh, so what's the other title for it? It was, um, it's also the Sinners of Hell. That's a that's a great uh, that's a great other title for it. Um, and this was also the last um, film that that production company did. Oh yeah, and then they went bankrupt, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think it was like they started they were bankrupt during this movie, and then basically I think some of the trivia is like some of the actors had to like dig their own holes in the ground to like finish filming this movie and like i i kind of love that in a way yeah um yeah absolutely and it, it like i said like it's it's you know it's one of those great you know a lot of the japanese uh horror films of this time period were um morality stories i mean like they were very very blunt morality stories like there was no they're not um there's not a lot of when i say there's not a lot of nuances i don't mean that they're like these movies are shallow i just mean that like they're like it's it's very much like um yeah, yeah. this is this is morale this, this is yeah. this is a fable you the characters this, are, you're yeah. going to hell right the characters are a little bit broad but that's not a bad thing you know i mean like i don't mean that in a bad way where it's like they're boring they're like they're kind of archetypes but they're like um but it works you know um this is like this is a story this is a story that like you know somebody's telling somebody you know like um you're over not over a campfire but like a a passing on from generations like oh this one this one guy did this and then this is what happened to him and then you know all the crazy horrors of hell and everything like that but it's they're very simple to the point um morality stories but they work really really well you know Mm -hmm. um and so i really i really dug this one a lot this was a this was a good one I know the 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 three way strangle at the end. <laughs> just, <laughs> I loved it. I really did. I I really liked this movie, and I thought like it was really inventive. I mean, even like certain things that I'm like, oh, like there's a scene where he when he first meets um the the stripper who was getting vengeance for him killing her boyfriend um the she the scene is like shot from the floor looking up, and I oh, feel like yeah. I've seen that in like other Japanese films like. Uh, Takashi Miike you know like a lot of those like and in weird like sort of romantic but not really romantic scenes it was it was just very cool uh to see that so early on and again like some of it like blows my mind for like 1960 I'm like it was so early and I, I can only think of like 1960 America seeing this and being like holy shit you know yeah. like just like if, what would happen if they even did see it you know like yeah. I mean I, can't, I, I wonder if this movie even made it across the seas you know but like um but yeah, it's just it was it was good. It was some good shit, you know. Like, um, I, I definitely recommend it to people. And like that fucking it just visually and that soundtrack is just awesome. Yeah, really. it is. There's something like especially '60s Japan like loved jazz. I mean, even they still do. Look like at Cowboy Bebop. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just like so many cool things about that like period of film um, there that is like really inventive and like cool and like. When you see it, I feel like you're. If you hadn't seen it before, it like it like turns on something for you. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. That's a great way to, to, you know, to put it. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, it's on Criterion. I feel like everyone should watch it. I think you can buy it probably some other places. Um, I it did get a 4K restoration, which it looks gorgeous. Um, and I'm all for those. I mean, seeing those in the theater too is like really fucking cool. Actually, yeah. it's funny because um, New Beverly has been playing a lot of older film in their theaters. So if you guys are in the L.A. theater or district area, we'll definitely go see it. I know there's a few coming up that you're going to. I'm going tomorrow. I'm actually going to see one of my one of my holy grails of wanting to oh, see on the big screen. Trick or uh, treat? 
Yeah, trick or treat. I I actually got like the the other one that I was like, I was gonna see Rock and Roll High School and get crazy um, in you know the beginning of January, but you know that was the day I tested positive, and I was like, God damn it! Like I really because that what does another holy yeah. grail. But trick or treat, I'm I'm over the moon about. So um, I'm gonna see that on the big screen. Very excited. Um, but yeah, definitely um, definitely mm. go to the New Beverly if you're in the neighborhood because they're playing some great shit. And all of next month is uh. Not all of next month, but a lot of next month is Bogdanovich um, tribute. So we're going to be playing a lot of Bogdanovich stuff. So RIP for sure. Yeah. Um, So I think that's 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 our episode for. But yeah, enjoy um, our descent into hell with with the literal title of hell. All right. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye, guys. を逃れることはできない。ねえ。今夜もしたって。生と死の境を通って、お前は俺と一緒に地獄へ落ちていくの。現世の苦しみ拭いきれない罪の意識虚しく